Mac Power Users, Episode 160, Getting Ready for Mavericks. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. Hey, David. Hello, Katie Floyd. Hello, David Sparks. So we've been a, a little iOS intensive the last couple of shows, and you know, Apple re- announced this special event is coming out on the 22nd. We've got their earnings report coming out on the 28th. And I kind of think that we need to start getting ready for Mavericks. Hey, this show is going to hit before uh, they actually make the announcement, right? Now that yeah, think it about is. It. it is. Well, we think. We, we, we suspect that they will make the Mavericks announcement at the Apple special event on the 22nd, at least announce the release date. I suspect the release date is going to be Tuesday, October 29th, just because that's the day after the Apple's earnings call. And Okay, start, time last... out, time out. Okay, okay. we don't okay. do uh, news and rumors, but let's break we the don't. rule. You get one yeah. minute. One minute. Okay, I suspect that the release date is going to be October 29th because the last three releases have all been the day after their uh, quarterly conference call results, their financial conference call results, which is scheduled for the 28th. So we got the Apple special event on the 22nd. I'm going to be buying an iPad mini that day, Retina. Actually, I may be buying it on the 25th because that may be when they're available. And then I think we're going to get killer numbers on the 28th and Mavericks on the 29th. Those are my predictions. That's pretty good. I'm with you. I'm picking Retina iPad mini, and that's a choice out of love because I want one so badly. So I'm just going to say, let's get one. Yeah. And I think the the new iPad, I'm sorry, did I say Retina iPad mini? Yes, you did. Okay, that's I right. I think okay. that's right. And the, the, the right. new, the, the big, the big brother iPad, I think, is going to get get a nice redesign. It's going to look great. Um, Retina MacBook Pros with the Haswell chips, mm-hmm. and my wild card is a 4K display. I bet we get a 4K display with an Apple logo on it that costs more than any other 4K display on the market. Probably costs about 4K. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully not that much, but <laughs> but I think we may get a Mac Pro that costs 4K. But that's a whole other story. Yeah. Now, do you think the uh, iPad minis and or the full-size iPads are going to get touch the Touch ID? Okay, so I was thinking about – the thing about the iPad mini, I do like it, but I really, really, really still miss the Retina display. And so to get a Retina display in an iPad mini would presumably require the A7 chip, which is expensive and it's already a low-margin product. I was thinking driving home today, what if they do like the iPhone and they have like – the, you know, they have the 5C and they have the 5S. Maybe they'll have two classes of iPad minis. Yeah, I think they will. I think they'll keep a non-retina iPad mini as their low-end iPad mini, and I think they'll have a higher-end iPad mini. I, I'd give up an hour or two of battery to get that retina screen on the iPad mini. So, I don't think we're going to have to give up battery because they're going to make it a little bit thicker. But I I, I think the iPad 2 is going to go away, and the non-retina iPad mini is going to be the new low-end iPad. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess we'll find out uh, as you listen to this. In a few days. Yeah. Well, we've broken the rule. We've gone three minutes on rumors. Okay. Let's skip that now. We're done. I have I have one extremely urgent bit of feedback because I made a huge error in the last show. Again? Yes. Huge. So a, you were a ta- error? I probably made many errors, but I made one really big error. <laughs> okay. Let's hear it. Okay. So in the last episode, you were talking about your evil genius business cards. I love those cards. And I said, why would you want to do that? Because Wiley Coyote never caught the Roadrunner. But he has Moxie. I don't yes. care. As it turns out, 
Mac Power users, listeners, being some of the smartest listeners in the world, have proven me wrong and provided video proof that Wiley Coyote did, in fact, on one occasion, catch the Roadrunner. That's going in the show notes. It is going in the show notes. Did he eat that bird? He tried. Okay. I want to see that. Yeah. So I just thought we needed to clear the air. You know, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. I've got a couple other little items here that occurred to me as I was driving home today, thinking about getting on the microphone and talking to my friend, Katie. Um, We lost uh, a member of our community last year, Tim Verporten. And uh, Tim was a real close friend of both Katie and I and pretty much everybody that's, you know, in the Mac podcasting space. And uh, when he passed away, his wife really didn't know what to do with all his stuff. And Allison Sheridan over at the Nozilla Cast podcast and her husband, Steve, spent literally months going through Tim's stuff and finding buyers and collecting donations. I donated to Tim's account and fund. And uh, Mm -hmm. I just was thinking about what a a supremely kind act that was of Allison. So if you, if you get a chance and you know, Allison sent her a note and either way, go check out her podcast over at the Nozilla cast. I think that was just really super. Yeah. It's actually Nozilla. It's Allison spelled backwards and uh, it's at podfeet.com. And now Allison's going to be angry at me for mispronouncing the name of her show. Angry at you, not me. And another one that I thought, um, you know, um, back to work, uh, Merlin and Dan just did a recent episode where they talked about calendars and I thought they did a really great job of it. And it's, it's kind of the second half of the show, you know, it's kind of their shtick. But, After uh, the comic, the hour and a half. Yeah, of but that, that would yeah. be a show I would highly recommend listening to because Merlin's got some really great ideas about calendars. And I, it really made me think about what I'm doing with calendars and kind of where we stand. And it also made me think about how long it's been since we did a calendar show. So we're going to do one of those pretty soon. Not right away, but pretty soon. All right. Thanks for the heads up on that. So I let's get I back to the, the show. Yeah, let's go back to the show. So it's time All to right. talk about getting ready for Mavericks, because uh, if you're going to be updating your computer, it's not a bad idea to give some thought to that before you you know, take the red pill. Is it the red pill or the blue pill? I forgot. It's the red pill. The red yeah. pill. Yeah. Yeah. So you've probably got about a week from the time the show comes out until if you're an early adopter, you're going to be installing Mavericks. We don't know the release date, but we gave you our best guess. We don't Actually, know Katie the, gave her best guess. I gave my best guess. My best David guess is quiet. sooner than Katie. I think it's going to be very shortly after their announcement. Okay. Um, we don't have any information on pricing yet. I personally think they're going to charge something. I don't think it's going to be free, but we'll see. Yeah, it's not going to be like the old days when it was 130 bucks. No, I'm thinking 20 bucks or less. I used to go buy the updates and, you know, because I'm an honest gent, I would buy the family packs and I guess it really didn't matter because they didn't really check it or anything. They didn't have any uh, codes in there or anything. But every time we upgraded the operating system, you know, like leopard to tiger or whatever, it was like 200 bucks to get the family pack to upgrade all the family computers. Yeah. Well, and because Mavericks is going to be available exclusively through the App Store, the Mac App Store, you get a family pack. Yeah, exactly. So break the rule again. Uh, I say twenty bucks. I say fourteen ninety nine. Yeah, I think you may be. I think it's it, twenty bucks is a high. I think it could be less. So you're not going to be spending much money. But what do you need to do to be ready for this, Katie Floyd? Well, first you got to have a Mac that's going to be able to run Mavericks. And being on the East Coast, am I? Saying that correct? Mavericks, plural? Yeah, yes. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Hey, we're in California. We think differently. Okay. There you go. Right now, I have no shoes on. I'm just letting you know. I'm, I'm wearing Birkenstocks, so I thought that was pretty hippie liberal of me. 
Wow, Katie said hippie liberal. <laughs> Write it down. All right. Installation requirements are pretty much the same as if you're currently running Snow Leopard. So, um, or no, I'm sorry. What's the current uh, something line? Mountain line. Okay. <laughs> are you okay, Katie? The, the cats, the cats. There's so many cats. Um, <laughs> in a couple of years, we're going to be like San Francisco or Los Angeles or or Sacramento. I don't remember. Um, no. So the installation requirements are pretty much the same as if you're, you're running mountain lion. Um, but you need to be running at least 10.6.8 Snow Leopard because that's the version that has the Mac App Store. So you got to be able to get up to Snow Leopard so that you get the Mac App Store so that you can download Mavericks through the Mac App Store. Um, and otherwise, you can check Apple's website for the current requirements for Mountain Lion. It's it's basically a – I'm not going to go through them all, but but ballpark if you've got an iMac after 2007 or a MacBook after 2008 or MacBook Pros, depending on the version that you have, you know, somewhere in the 2007, 2008 timeframe. Which is pretty so, good. So if yeah. you've got a computer within four years, you're definitely fine. And if you're within five years, then you're going to have to go do some research. Yeah, pretty much. And, now, and, some, uh, some of I, the special features yeah, go have ahead. stricter requirements. So, you, 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 you know, you may not get like the airplane mirroring or the extended desktop or the airdrop or all of that stuff if you don't have a newer machine. But it, at least it will install. And the reason for that is some of these features require chipsets that just didn't exist or were not included with those older computers like the... Um, I guess is the ultra low power Bluetooth. I'm probably screwing up that name allows them to do some of these things. And I think there's a, some stuff on the more recent Wi-Fi chips that allow for the um, airdrop and some of these other features. So if, if your computer doesn't have the chip, it's not going to get the feature. Right. Ram. The official recommendation is at least two gigs. I think you probably want four or at my computers now, my my minimum is eight. If you're listening to the show right now and have two gigs, um, I want you to go and, and order more RAM right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, whether or not you're going to upgrade, it's just I don't think two gigs is really a sufficient amount to have a good computing experience. And it's not that expensive. Uh, I usually buy it through Crucial or some of these other. There's two or three different online vendors and they're very crucial or OWC is who I go through. Yes. OW. I bought through them as well. And they're both MaxSales.com. Yeah. They're very clever in their website where they make it really easy for you to put in exactly which Mac you own and they'll tell you, you know, what it's going to cost you. But I, do I hear keyboard clickies over there? Are you figuring out how much four gigs of RAM is? It's it's like 50 no. bucks or something like that, right? It's pretty cheap. Yeah. So, you know, RAM changes, but that that's a that's a no brainer. So get yourself some more RAM. Yeah, I mean, you can get eight eight gigs now or so for a hundred bucks or less. Four gigs is going to cost. I'm just looking at OWC's site now. Four gigs is like um, you know sixty bucks or so. Yeah, I remember when it was a lot more. A lot more. And now, but but keep in mind, depending on the machine that you have, updating your uh, upgrading your RAM may not be a really simple thing. Like if you've got a MacBook Air or one of these Retina MacBook Pros. Uh, or even one of the newer 24-inch iMacs, one of the smaller ones, um, your RAM may be soldered in and not user-upgradable. So that's, you know, keep that in mind when you buy a new machine. Yeah, and we've talked about that before. Uh, with the new MacBook Airs, maximize the RAM when you get it. I've always felt like RAM is the is the cheapest. For the bang for the buck, it's one of the best upgrades you can do to your computer because you will notice when you double your RAM. 
exactly. Um, the other thing you probably want to do is some drive maintenance, right? You want to check out what kind of space you've got and, you know, maybe it's a good chance to clean out your computer. Yeah. I mean, your, your Apple says you're going to need at least eight gigabytes of free space just to download and install the OS. Keep in mind, the installer is pretty large, um, four to five gigs just for the installer. And then it's going to need some free space to stretch out and expand and install and move things around. So although Apple says at least eight gigs free, I'm going to recommend that you probably have more, maybe in the 10 to 20 gigs range. Yeah. And, you know, as an aside, Katie, we're going to do a show about all the cool stuff in Mavericks. I've been running the the beta builds for some time and I have a lot I'd love to say, but I can't right now. And by then Katie's going to have drilled down pretty deep too. So we've got a whole nother show on that. This, this show is about getting ready for it. We should have yeah. said that at the top, right? I, I, I'm pretty sure I did say at the top, this is getting ready for Mavericks. Are you sure you said it? I'm pretty sure. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a great a great tool for that is Daisy Disk, which is one of our sponsors. So so go and check out your space, find out where you can get some free. You got to be able to find some some free space on that drive, right? I think you can. Okay, yeah. um, you want to talk about uh, the installation, or should I talk about our first sponsor? Why don't you talk about our first sponsor, and then I'll talk about installation. Okay, I really like this first sponsor of ours. It's it is our friends over at Pixelmator, and Pixelmator has become the go-to app for me and many other Mac-loving computer enthusiasts. It's fifteen dollars in the Mac App Store. It's a powerful graphics package that is fifteen dollars. You know, it's it's about the same price as you'll spend out buying yourself a sandwich and it will fix your photos. I am, uh, as Katie knows, I am deep, deep, deep in finishing up the next field guide. And so I'm doing nothing but working. And like, I wanted the cover pages for each chapter to look really good in the next field guide. And I can't wait to show you guys and tell you about it because I think it does look good, but it's all done with layers and pixel mater. And I am not a professional, you know, photographic retoucher guy. What, what's the name of that? What do you call people that do that? Katie? A graphic artist? Yes. I'm not a graphic artist. So I uh, just loaded up in Pixelmator and I've got my layers going. I've got my filters. It's not that hard. One touch, it starts making things happen and they look really good. And then once I've got it set up, then I can duplicate it and change the images to get the same look and feel for each image. And this stuff took me like two hours on a Saturday morning to figure out an entirely new way to do it. So Dave, how did you do that? Well, what I did was I went over to Pixelmator.com slash tutorials and they've got tutorials there to do everything you you can think of with this graphics package including a bunch of really great screencasts where you get to watch somebody do the tricks and then you just copy and duplicate it with your mouse the new version has got a lot of great features it's got little shapes you can drop on there you can even uh, write out text and turn the text into a shape which then allows you to apply all the other pixel mater goodness to it um, you, it's got a new quick selection tool. It's got a light leak tool. If you want to kind of give it the 1970s feeling, you know, cause Katie is, I guess, turning into a hippie. She probably takes a lot of pictures that way. Right. I am got my Birkenstocks and everything. Do you, are you eating granola right now? Cause it sounded like it. I do I, have granola in, in the cabinet. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, the Pixelmator is a great application to do all this stuff. It is my go-to graphics application, and it ties really nicely right into um, Aperture or iPhoto, so you can kind of power up those applications to bring all those great Pixelmator tools in. And you can get it all for $15. 
and the Mac App Store. I just can't get over what a great deal this is. If you have any interest in making your pictures look better, uh, number one, you can do this. You don't need to be a graphic artist to pull it off. You can go and Pixelmator will teach you how and give you the tools to do it. And number two, it doesn't cost that much money. So don't uh, waste any time. Get over to Pixelmator.com, learn about it, go into the Mac App Store and buy it for 15 bucks and let them know you heard about it from us. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about installing Mavericks. And we talked about the only way that you can get it is from the Mac App Store. And be warned, this is going to be a big download. Sure, it's so, an operating system, right? Yeah. So plug into Ethernet, get on good, solid, reliable Wi-Fi, you know, and just sit down and get a nice cup of coffee and be prepared to wait for a little while. Well, and especially if you do it on release morning or release day, be prepared to wait a little while longer. Seems like Apple's getting better and better at that, though, and delivering high bandwidth on days like that. Yeah, I think they are. I think they are. I did have some trouble with the latest um, the latest iOS, and it, it took me not as long as it has in the past, but it did take me a while. But but here's a tip. You you don't have to download. Let's, so let's see. I have three computers that I need to upgrade. I have my computer at the office, my MacBook Air, and my iMac at home. And so let's just say that this is eight gigs is what it ends up being. I think it's a little bit smaller than that, but let's just say that's going to be eight. I mean, that's 24 gigs of stuff that I have to download. And I've got bandwidth caps with my Cox Internet here. So what I'm probably going to do is I'm going to download it once on one of my machines. And my suggestion is that that you save the download before you install it. And what I do is, you know, you've done that great Max Sparky screencast on the Magic Install Disk. I think you can still get that on um, on Vimeo, right? You've seen yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, I left it there. Left yeah, it there. I've I do something similar. I've kind of modified it where I have a folder of installers that I keep updated on my Drobo. Yeah. So that it's accessible everywhere, and I save all of those the Mac App Store installers. I save those in a folder on my Drobo, and so I'm going to go ahead and do that with this installer. And I suggest that you do that before you actually install the operating system because if this behaves like previous operating system installers have, the installer will actually disappear after you install it. Yeah, it well they want to save that space, right? So it will install itself and then remove it to give you all that space back. Because most people, you know, most mortals are going to not realize they've got an eight gigabyte size installer file sitting on their computer. And that's a lot of space, so Apple's going to delete it since the install's done. But if you're listening to Mac Power Users, you have your Mac Power Users Shield, right? So you you know better. Yeah. Make a copy. Now that that installer can be moved to multiple Macs, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I put it on my Drobos because the Drobos on the network, and and then I can move that installer around if I if I want to. Um, you may or may not have to authenticate with your Apple ID that you use to purchase the installer. I'm, I don't recall whether you have been before. Um, but I will tell you that if you ever have to reinstall from like Internet Recovery or one of those, because I've had to do that before, you you will have to authenticate with your Apple ID. So you if you you know try to reinstall from Internet Recovery, you need to have installed on a computer that you've either installed it on before or be prepared to authenticate with an Apple ID that has purchased it. You know, it wasn't that many years ago that every Mac or just any computer you bought came with the install disks, which were so important. You know, you couldn't lose those. If 
things went bad. Like if you had a Windows computer, in my experience, I guess I shouldn't be so hard on Windows. I think they've got better. But back in the day that I was on Windows computers, it was like every six months you had to find those installed disks because the computer just got gucked up so much. You had to just, you know, nuke it and start over again. Um, you know, I, I ran into that this this very weekend. I was at my, my grandmother's house for Sunday morning brunch. And her laptop died a couple of eh, a couple of weeks ago, and we had given her an iPad a couple of Christmases ago, and had tried to move her over to the iPad. And I thought she had, but for whatever reason, she was missing her old PC laptop, which was just a seven-year-old piece of junk that was miserable. So my aunt brought over and gave her her old PC laptop. Yeah, you know, this thing was probably three or four years old, but she just handed it to her. You know, she didn't do anything. She didn't, and and I don't I don't say that negatively, but it was an extremely nice gesture. But she just said, "Here, you you may need to delete the files." But yeah. she just handed her this laptop, and I guess she didn't think anything of it because you know she's giving it to her mother, so she didn't you know worry about identity theft or anything like that. Um, and and of course, my grandmother then gave it to me and said, "Can you make this work for me?" And I said, "No, where are the install disks? I need to I need to wipe this sucker. I need to you know, I need to reinstall from I mean, the thing was the thing was practically useless." Yes. And that wasn't that long ago on the Mac that you had the same thing. You got a new Mac, you got the little box that had the disks in it, and then for a very short time they started giving you thumb drives. I think it was like the MacBook Air. And the MacBook Airs, yeah. Yeah, and and then they just did away with it. And uh, I might be wrong here. I think it was Lion where that was a first a possibility where you can uh, rebuild a Mac from it, the ground it had up. To, it had to do with the um, particular Macs in the in the. Uh, I think it had to do with the chipset. It was the Mac Minis. I want to say not the last generation, but the generation before is when it started. It was the 2011. I think is when that started. Well, the bottom line is now you can. You can wipe out a Mac, and with an internet connection, it can rebuild itself and reinstall the OS. Yeah, you can do better than that. You can take the hard drive out of a Mac, put a completely new unformatted hard drive in, and it will do that. It's pretty magical. That's what I meant when I said wipe the Mac. Yeah. Well, because when most people think about wiping the Mac, they just – now there's that whole recovery partition. Yeah, you're but this right. Is, you're right. No, this is a, a totally new hard drive. But yeah. So, uh, so the, the, you know, the thing has become so easy that – you know, the old days of having a disk full of install partitions and all the like nerdy stuff that I used to revel in, I just don't do it anymore. And like they're, every time they come out with a new operating system, Macworld does a great article talking about how to put an installer on a thumb drive and they, they work out every step. Every time I put it in my, you know, read later service thinking, oh, I'm going to do that. And I never do it. I never do it because it's just too easy now, even without that that problem. I understand if you're going to be installing on a bunch of computers and you want to use it that way, that could make sense. But in general, you're pretty good these days. And I take it for granted now, don't you? I do, but depending on how, and we'll talk about this a little bit later in the show, depending on the install method that you plan on, you may want to go ahead and make that bootable DVD or USB thumb drive. Yeah. And the tool that Macworld has recommended and that I've used in the past is a tool that is now inappropriately named Lion Disk Maker. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they'll have, you know, which Mavericks has been updated for Maverick support. So yeah. go figure. Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they rename it, but it's, it, it's not that hard, but, and you can do it. But I guess my point is it's also not that bad if you don't do it. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to get so much email for that. Yeah, you are. Okay. We've kind of been punchy this show. We'll probably get a lot of email. Yeah. 
the Birkenstocks and the granola. Katie said punchy. I like it when you get ornery. (laughs) All right. So in order to um, go ahead and move forward with updating to Mavericks, you first need to make sure that your Mac is up to date and go ahead and do any upgrades. So we talked about some of the basic system requirements and go to Apple's website and, and you can get the full full specs and see exactly what features your Mac is going to run and what's not. But David's general rule of thumb is if your Mac was in the last four years, you're probably going to be okay. Five, double check. Um, should you consider doing RAM or hardware upgrades at this point? Yes. Yes, you should. This is this is the prime time, in my opinion, to think about doing any hardware upgrades. And in, you need to consider what do I have and how long am I going to keep this machine? And you do kind of a cost-benefit analysis of, you know, is it worth me spending 100 150 bucks to keep this machine another year, another 18 months? Maybe. Is it worth me spending 300 bucks to keep this machine another year? Maybe not. I don't, you know, I don't know. You got to figure out where that breakdown works for you. You know, sadly, this conversation is a lot shorter than it used to be because, Two or three years ago, you and I would have spent a lot of time talking about upgrading the hard drive, and neither one of us have even mentioned it yet, because most of the Macs, it's not that easy to replace the hard drive anymore now that we've got an SSD. Um, and the new, you know, the Retina MacBook Pro is not going to be uh, easy. It's not going to be easy in the MacBook Air, even the iMac. Uh, the only one that really exists is the non-Retina Mac. Book Pro, I guess, to change memory at this point. And some of the iMacs, uh, the older iMacs, you could just drop it. Uh, I just switched t- topics, didn't I? Okay. Slow down, Dave. All right. So, I, well, no, you, no, no you changing the hard drive. I can, hard drive. I'm confusing drive memory, and memory and hard drive. So, so Many people confuse memory and hard drive. Yeah. So anyway, the, the non-retina MacBook Pros, you can change the hard drive in, but uh, most of the other computers you can't. So that's not as big of a deal. Or I would be saying, put an SSD in. This would be a good time to do something like that as well. Uh, You're really, at this point, just looking at a RAM upgrade. And even on some computers, that's not that easy. Well, I mean, the Mac Minis are pretty easy to upgrade the hard drives That's true. That's true. The Mac Minis are. The iMacs, I mean, I don't know about you, but when you start getting suction cups out. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. That well, makes me nervous. Well, the, you know, although pe- people say after you do it once, it's really not that bad. No, and I have a. a, a I'm fr- just thinking that first one's a doozy. I have a, you know, I, I know a lot of geniuses, and I've got a friend who actually runs a business that repairs Macs, and he says it's not that hard, except if you get any dust under the screen, you'll see it forever. <laughs> That's all. Right. And I'm like, well, I think I should probably leave that to a professional. But uh, so, getting back to Katie's point, before I got all disjointed. Uh, Upgrading RAM makes sense now. If you've got a computer where you can upgrade the hard drive, it's not a bad idea. And think about that for a minute, because if you can double your computer's performance or drastically increase it for a hundred bucks, and you can get another year or two out of that computer, I got news for you. The the Macs that come out next year are going to look even better than the ones that are coming out this year. So if you can hang on for another year, it might not be a bad idea. Yeah, and I'll tell you, if you can change the hard drive, the prices of SSDs have really come down. Um, the one that I would buy if I were able to buy a hard drive, um, I guess I could for my Mac Mini, but the one I would buy is the OWC Mercury Electra 6G SSD. And you can get 120 for 119 That's probably a little tight for me. Um, or 240 for 225 Wow, and I remember. I remember when these were upwards of five hundred, seven hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. I just ordered an SSD for my Drobo. Wow, 
Yeah. Like the little, the, the bottom SSD or yeah. like a, a drive? Yeah, man. I'm not messing around. I'm putting a little SSD in my Drobo 5 in. I'm going to see if I can run Aperture Library off of it. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've got the little SSD in my Drobo and it. Oh, it's, you do? It's quite zippy. Yes. Oh, yeah. We'll have to talk about this. We will. We will have to talk about this. Um, but memory has also really come down in price. Like I said, you can get eight gigs for a hundred bucks now. So Yeah. All right. So maybe do some upgrades. What else do you need to do, Katie Floyd? Um, what else you need to do? Um, I think now's a good time to go ahead and try to clean out the croft, especially if you're not doing a nuke and pave. Yeah. So there are a couple of tools we can use for that. Dave, you talked about Daisy Disk a little bit before. And Daisy Disk is great for kind of seeing what is on your hard drive and what is taking up all the space on your hard drive. You know, do you have movie files that are on there that you're not using? Do you have a lot of images on there that you don't need? Do you, stuff that you need to mo- can move around and move over to archive storage and things like that. So Daisy Disk is the tool that I would definitely use for that. Well, you can also yeah. delete files with Daisy Disk, and that's how yeah. I do it. Yeah, Yeah. you can. Um, The other tool that I've been using recently is Clean My Mac 2. And that was one of those tools that I was really nervous about for the longest time. And I got it with one of the Mac Heist bundles recently, Mm -hmm. maybe a couple months ago. And I have found that it does a good job of uninstalling applications, you know, showing you all the applications that you have and going in and uninstalling them and all of their related support files. It will do like cache cleaning and stuff like that. But I personally use Onyx for, for that kind of thing. Uh, but Clean My Mac will go in and show you kind of what's starting up. What do you have preference panes for? What do you have? What extensions do you have in Safari? What little extras do you have install? And it will help you uninstall all that stuff and all their associated files. So especially, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later, if you know that you have applications that aren't compatible or applications that you're going to be upgrading, it may be a good idea to go ahead and and get rid of them before you install the new OS. I think Clean My Mac is a really pretty utility. You know, they do a really good job of making it attractive and kind of making it feel like... It, like Daisy Disk, it kind of makes it kind of fun to go through and search out files on your disk. Uh, one thing I don't like about it is the notification system. You got to turn all that off because they their yeah. notifications are terrible. I mean, you you delete one file and then it pops up telling you, "Hey, you have something big in your trash can. Would you like me to get started and do all these other things to your computer?" Uh, but you can turn all that off. Yeah, um, and I have, and I just said no. Just do what I tell you to when I tell you to, and don't bother me anymore. Yeah, but it, it, other than that, I think it's a it's a pretty good app. It's interesting to me this category of like clean my Mac and and utilities like that. In my mind, I always think there's a, a fine line between those utilities. <coughs> Excuse me. I was talking in coin all day. Can you tell my voice is already worn out? Um, but the um, there's a fine line between those utilities and and viruses themselves. Like Norton always felt to me like it was really hard to get that uninstalled from my computer. And and uh, so I'm always very sensitive to that stuff. And Clean My Mac isn't like that at all. But those notifications were like pushing buttons that I forgot that I had. Um, but like you, I've kept it. And once I turn the notifications off, I think I'll be running it as well before I do the final install. The other place where I found that I'd accumulated a lot of, uh, cruft may not be the good word, but a lot of stuff that I didn't need is in my iPhoto library. So I ran, um, photo sweeper to get rid of all the duplicates out of my iPhoto library. That has been far and away the best tool I've ever found for getting rid of duplicates out of iPhoto because it doesn't look at the name. It does. I mean, well, I mean, it does look at the name of the, of the document, but it looks at the actual photo and it looks at, you know, 
It's one of the only tools that doesn't just say, oh, well, this is, you know, a photo of this size and in these dimensions. So therefore it must be a duplicate. And it does much more than that. You mentioned that in an earlier show. Sounds like you're yeah. really. I'm, I've been really, I mean, it really saved me from a jam when I accidentally imported about, mm, you know, 1500 duplicate photos. I'm in the process of completely redoing my photog- photograph uh, workflow and the way I store photos and give family access and sharing photos. Um, I think there's probably a show in that because that's still a problem we really haven't answered. We're coming back to that one. So if you've got great ideas, let us know, because I'm going to put that in the outline, because I've got a lot to say. Well, I want to talk more about updating software, but before we do, I want to talk about our next sponsor for this is our episode, a longtime sponsor of Mac Power Users and other great podcasts, and that is Squarespace. And of course, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that makes it easy for you to create your own website. Uh, we know that you can get a free trial of Squarespace and try it off yourself and head over to squarespace.com. And if you decide that you want to use it, you can use our coupon code MPU10 to save 10% off. But Squarespace... What I like about Squarespace more than anything else is it is easy to get started. You can import all of your other stuff from WordPress or from any other platform and put together something nice right off the bat. They've got custom design templates. They are constantly adding new features. It's just effortless to get off the ground and going. And that's what I did initially when I created my Squarespace site. It's It's been not quite a year now since I've been on Squarespace. It'll be a year in December. And I imported all my stuff from WordPress and I got up and going with one of their default templates and I tweaked a little bit here, a little bit there, and boom, I was good to go. And it took care of all the hosting. It took care of the SEO. Um, you Google, you'll find me. And I just didn't have to worry about all that. It looked great on my Mac. It looked great on my iPhone. It looked great on my iPad. And I had some free time recently, and I decided, you know, I, I think that I want to do more with my website. So I don't know if you've been over to katiefloyd.me recently, but I, you know, changed the background. I started experimenting a little bit more with the design. I added a logo. I changed some things in the navigation. I started restructuring how the navigation works. And, you know, I probably spent a couple hours on it one weekend. And most of the time, honestly, was me figuring out what I wanted to do just through trial and error and what looks good and what doesn't. But the thing about that is, is I could, when I had the time, I could go in and I could tweak it and I could change things and I could add graphics that were as easy as finding the graphics file, which I created in Pixelmator and drag and dropping it into my Squarespace template and saying, this is what I want to use as my logo image. This is what I want to use as my header. And that image then transferred over to the iPhone, to the iPad and was appropriately scaled and all of those things. And when I ran into a little bit of trouble, I had something wonky happen with my logo image. I emailed Squarespace support on a Saturday, like at six o'clock, and they got back to me within 20 minutes. Um, And as it turns out, it was just kind of my error because I had slid a slider all the way to one side. And as a result, my logo was really small. And they were really nice about saying, "Um, if you just take that slider that says logo size and slide it and make it a little bit bigger, your logo will be better. Um, But I had just missed that. And uh, so my bad. But... um, Hey, they were there when I needed them, and and they helped me fix the issue. They've got over 70 employees that are just dedicated support. So if you decide that you want to build something and you want to get started and you want to start tweaking and fiddling, uh, you can go do that too. So go check them out at squarespace.com. Try them. You don't have to give them a credit card or uh, much information to even get started. And if you decide you like them, use our coupon code MPU10 and go from there. I'm pretty sure when they have like a rough day at Squarespace, they just, you know, pop open a cold one and they just read a history of all of my tickets. 
because I ask the dumbest questions, you know, and they just laugh. They must love me. Anyway, yeah. Squarespace yeah. is great. And send in your site. We're going to put some listener sites up. I don't think we have one this week, do we? Uh, we do, but I have to go digging. So we'll get it next week. All right. Next time. All right. Uh, back to the update, the pre-update process. It's a lot easier than it used to be. We, You know, it used to be, okay, make sure your apps are all up to date. Well, if you're buying through the Mac App Store, that's pretty easy right now. Right? Yeah, there's there's one button that you hit. Yeah. But, but it's all- a good idea to, to, to update all of your apps before you update to yeah, Mavericks, it- especially if you're doing an in-place install. Um, but, you know, there's always the apps that you don't buy through the App Store. And if that's a key app... Uh, go to the developer site and investigate it. If it's something you need to, you know, put shoes on your feet and they don't support it yet, then you should not be moving to Mavericks. And that's uh, to put per- shoes on your feet. Yeah. Don't oh. you ever, have you ever heard that before Katie? Doesn't your generation know what it means to pay for your shoes, right? You got to work. Well, I, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. If it's, yeah, if it's what you make your living at. I'm not all of us wear Birkenstocks. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, uh. We're not, all, we're not all hippie liberals like you. <laughs> okay. All right. So before you buy your next pair of shoes, make sure that your software is compatible with Mavericks. Okay. So I had, I'm running the beta. I've been doing that for a little while because the next book has got a bunch of Maverick stuff in it. And uh, I had that terrifying moment when I, after I installed it, because Dragon Dictate is something that I use every day and it helps put shoes on my feet. And so I, uh, I, I booted up and said, oh, this uh, version of the Mac operating system is not supported by Dragon Dictate. And I went, oh, man, I'm I'm so screwed right now. Can I say that? I think I can say that. I can say that. And then it said, um, but it said continue. So, I, you know, it was the moment of truth. I pressed the continue button and Dragon loaded anyway, and it works fine. So I was lucky. But if you make your living on some other software application that is not through the Mac App Store, please make sure you're okay. In fact, even if it is in the Mac App Store, still make sure it works okay. And um, frankly, if you have any question about this stuff, it's a really good reason not to install Mavericks on the first day. Yeah, and probably the best source of information is checking directly with the developer of your application. If, if you've got a developer who's paying attention to their apps, they know that Mavericks is coming out and they are hopefully working on their update and it's hopefully ready already and waiting for you and say the answer will be, yes, we're Mavericks compatible. Just make sure you're running version, blah, blah, blah. Um, so check with the developer and hopefully they've got that information. Other good sources to check with is um, MacUpdate.com, especially if you're a member of MacUpdate. They've got um, a, a software up, what would you call it? I guess an app. They've got an app that you have that will check the third-party software or all the software on your computer to see if it's up to date and see if there are any updates available. And um, Roaring Apps is the website that has been around for many versions of the operating system now that will kind of tell you what other users' experiences are, and people can give bug reports using certain applications. If you just type, "Dragon does Dragon Dictate work in Mavericks, you'll probably find, like, Mac Rumors usually has a thread that talks about app compatibility. Um, there, there's a lot of ways to find out. Just just make sure you find out. So I'm, I've got this a little later in the outline, but um, I'm going to say something and combine this with my rant for upgrading my software. Okay, go okay. for it. So I have a, a little bit of a rant about this. So one one of the things when you I have a, one of the complaints that I get from people when I I talk to people who are still on is it Leopard? What's the old operating system? Snow the the last one that will run PowerPC apps. 
Snow Leopard, right? Uh, you know, I've lost track of that. That sounds right, though. Okay. You would be shocked at the number of people, and I'm speaking particularly in my Mac user group, but I just just at large, you know, the normal people who don't listen to Mac Power Users podcasts, and even some of you who do, uh, who are still running Snow Leopard. And when I ask them why, you get a variety of reasons, but the most common one is my apps aren't compatible. And so then I start digging a little deeper. Well, are your apps really not compatible? And for some people, that answer is yes. Yes, I use this proprietary piece of software to run my business, and it has not been updated, and it is not compatible with anything beyond Snow Leopard because it's a PowerPC app. And to those people, I say, I am so sorry, your developer screwed you. Well, okay, so I'll I'll offer... Too harsh? I think so. I mean, I guess there's a couple of reasons why some people don't upgrade. One would be that they have hardware and software that works together perfectly, and they've had bad experiences in the past when upgrading something meant they didn't get their work done for three months while things got sorted out. And since they've got hardware and software that are working together, they understand where all the buttons are. And it's generally people who are not that, you know, who are not in that bleeding edge, who don't really care about having the latest and greatest feature. They just know that their computer, when they turn on, does what they want and why upset the Apple cart. And I kind of get that. I mean, it's not me. Yeah, but- I should probably clarify my remarks a little bit because I may have said something I didn't intend to say then. So, so I, some people like that. I think that's fine. Yeah, no, that's true. I'm talking specifically about people who want to upgrade, but can't because they can't throw money at this problem and buy. They, they can't, I said this to somebody. I said, so you would throw money at this problem if they would make it go away. And they said, absolutely. But there is no newer version of the software that they can buy to do this. The developer has just stopped developing yeah. the software. They haven't released an update since 2002 or something like that. And I guess I would say maybe maybe your developer has abandoned you is too harsh or that other thing that I said before, which might have been really too harsh for this podcast. But um, I, I think you need to find another way to do your business if you're going to continue. Because the reality is if your developer hasn't updated their software by now, by the end of 2013, to work on Macs that have been running Intel chips, that's been happening for a really long time now. What makes you think that they ever will? And at some point, the further away we get from Snow Leopard and the further away we get from these power PC machines, which haven't been made for a while, you're you're going to find every generation further that we get, there's going to be a time when you just flat out are not going to be able to run these applications. And what I tell people is your older iMac is running Snow Leopard just fine right now. But that iMac is probably four or five years old now. What happens when it dies? It will die. And at that point, you're in crisis because you've now got to get a new Mac with a new operating system that's not going to run Snow Leopard. And at that point, now you've got to switch. And maybe you do and maybe you don't have a way to convert all your stuff that's in the old operating – the old yeah. program that you no longer have access to. So, so you've, you've got to start thinking about getting your data out of this proprietary system that you're using that is no longer upgradable and no longer supported now because there will be a day and it's not as far off as you think it's going to be when that's just going to flat out die and you may not be able to get your stuff out. Yeah, and that's a really that sounds like kind of the like the Apple works diehard to me. 
There you go. There's another good one. So, you know, the Apple works was the software uh, productivity suite that Apple made for a long time. And then at one point, Apple just said, we're not doing this anymore. And people were holding on to operating systems because they had all these files and Apple works. And my feeling was, you know what? Move on, you know, find some other app that does it for you. Maybe it's iWork or maybe it's something else, but you're going to have to get your data out of there. And this, you know, this kind of goes back to the general theme I have of don't get into proprietary systems if at all possible. Use plain text, use nested folders. You know, that's all I talk about sometimes because I feel like all of this technology stuff is going to change. So find a way to make your data uh, universally accessible on whatever change comes down the road. But I think I'm ranting at this point, but um, I'm with you on that. But I also understand why some people don't change because they don't like it. And frankly, the computer industry in a lot of ways has been screwing with these people for so long that they're very gun shy. You know, if every time I stick my hand in this, in this, this box, a mousetrap snaps on my finger. Um, is it okay if I stick it in there one more time? Should I do it again? <laughs> you know, at some point people just are afraid. And I think Apple's really got over this and the, you know, the way they distribute software now and the way the, so the whole system works, you're not going to get snapped by that mousetrap. But, but if I've been snapped by it five times in the past, what's to keep me from thinking it's going to happen again? I guess the, the other kind of category of people you run into is, is people who are still running these, these older applications just because the cost of, of upgrading is significant. People who are all holding on to old Adobe products in particular or old Quark, you know, desktop publishing products. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I sympathize, I understand, but if this is stuff, software that you're using to run your business, I mean, again, I go back to the thing is, Someday, at some point, something's going to happen, and that machine that's currently running that old hardware is going to die. And at that point, you're going to be in crisis. And at that point, you're going to have to buy a new machine that's not going to run your old stuff. Just make sure you're prepared for when that day comes. Yeah. Well, so that's kind of the end of my rant. Okay. Are you sure? Sorry. Anything no. else you want to get off your chest? I have lots of things to get off my chest, but that's it for now. Okay. Hey, uh, before we get back into it, I want to talk about Fujitsu, our uh, sponsor. Okay. Fujitsu makes fantastic scanners. Another lawyer today I saw, you know, a, a lawyer friend of mine whose life has been changed by my simple call to him when he said, Dave, I know you're a nerd. I need a scanner. Which one do I need? I said, Fujitsu ScanSnap IX500. Don't think about it twice. He went and bought one and he was telling me how he just took his whole office paperless on one machine. You know, he's a small time guy, but, uh, you know, it's an amazing product. It scans through your documents at 25 pages per minute for color scanning. It's got a 50 page automatic document feeder. So you can put it in there. It's got a little way that it, it pings it with like a sonar technology of some sort where it knows when it gets two pages. So it stops and tells you to fix it. And in addition to having great hardware, it also has great software. And that's something for us Mac users, because a lot of these, uh, hardware manufacturers treat us as, you know, second-class citizens when it comes to software, but not Fujitsu. They come out with this great software for the Mac. So you put it in there, you run your whole system off it. It does the optical character recognition, and it just takes that whole problem out of your life. And the iX500 to me is, is really an amazing product because not only does it do that with a cord, it does it over Wi-Fi in your house or your office. So you can have it in a closet or in the corner and you push a button and it'll show up on your iPad, your iPhone, and now even your Mac. So it's a great product. Go check it out. It's also USB 3.0 if you want to plug it in with a cable. 
But the Fujitsu Snap iX500 for me is the no-brainer decision. It used to be hard for me when people would write and say, well, should I get the should I get, you know, the S1300 or should I get the 500? No, now you want the 500 because those additional features totally make it worth it. Um, the only reason you want the smaller ones is if you need it to be portable. And those are great too, but man, do I love this 500. I bought a second one. I've got one at my work now. Did I tell you that? Yeah. I didn't know that you had another IX500 at, at your office, but yeah. I keep losing my scan snaps. Yeah, I know. People take People them. People take them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a great product from a company that really supports and loves the Mac community. So go check it out. Tell them you heard about it from us. In fact, isn't there a website, Katie, that people can go to? Yeah, you can go to easy.com slash SSMPU. That stands for ScanSnap NPU. And uh, that'll let them know that you came from us or just tweet them. Yeah, I would love seeing that on Twitter. You know, hey, Dave, I just bought a scanner. Thanks a lot for the recommendation. Yeah, tweet at ScanSnap. So. I, I, I tweeted out that I bought some of these Sonos speakers on oh the, the listener recommendations. Yeah. And there's there's a lot they of got to you. There's a lot of glee out there. People are, are really into it. And now I get it, but I guess that's another discussion, isn't it? Yeah, they came out with that new one recently that Dave Hamilton's been raving about. Yeah, I don't have one of those yet. Mm-hmm. Get on it. Yeah. Um I do have one more thing to say about Power PC users or Snow Leopard users. So you're not done. Well, I'm done with the rant. Okay. The only thing that I have to say is they just need to do a little extra checking when they're upgrading um, because there are a few extra steps for Snow Leopard users upgrading to Mavericks than for um, Lion or Mountain Lion users. I think if you're on a Power PC, at some point you just say, okay, I'm going to stick with the oh, stuff no, if I you, have. If you're on a Power PC, you're out of luck. You can't. Yeah. But but if you're on Snow Leopard is what I meant to say. I'm sorry yeah. if I said if you're on a Power PC. If you're on a Snow Leopard, you do need to check and see if you do have any Power PC apps. And notably, you want to look for older versions of Quicken, Microsoft Office, or any Adobe products. You can check to see if you have any Power PC apps um, in system uh, in the Apple menu about this Mac. Get more info. And then if you sort by kind, if you, there's a little tab where you can search all your applications and then sort by kind, and it will tell you if it's a Power PC app. Um, so you definitely want to do that because your Power PC apps will not run on newer versions of the OS. Um, and if you're using Snow Leopard, that had the original File Vault which was kind of flaky and wonky. File Vault 2 is much, much, much better. So you want to make sure that if you're running Snow Leopard that you disable the original File Vault before you upgrade to Mavericks or any newer version of the operating system. While I understand the people who who keep the older computers and uh, setting aside the financial consideration, which I totally get, but just some people just like to keep the older technology because they understand it and they know exactly where the buttons are and they don't want to upset the Apple cart. I'm just the complete opposite of that. When a developer to me doesn't keep up, I dump them and I go to somebody else. Um, and I do that with glee. You know, I love finding out new things. And I, I frankly, I think that's probably most of our listeners. Yeah. All right. So what do you get ready? To, like you've decided you've researched, you're ready to back up. Um, I think, or sorry, you're, I just gave it away. Didn't you? You're ready. You're ready to install the new operating system. What do you have to do? Um, would that be backup? You you do. You do have to backup. But there are actually a couple of things you have to do, I think, before you backup. Because you don't want to have a bad backup. Yeah, that's scary. If, so if you make it and then you, everything goes, you know, in trouble. And then you come back and find out that the backup you made isn't working. Oops. 
Yeah. So I suggest that this is a good time to do some of that maintenance that we've talked about from time to time where, you know, I don't think you need to do maintenance all the time on your Mac, but right before you do a major OS upgrade is a good one. So in particular, I think you want to verify the startup disk. And um, I would do that from the recovery partition, or if you have a boot disk on your Mac, boot up from the boot disk and do it from there. Um, You can run disk utility from from any other disk other than your startup disk to make sure that you're searching your whole startup disk. And then um, run the verify to make sure that it's got, you know, no, no wonkiness. And if you come across errors, run it again and make sure that it comes clean because uh, disk utility can correct some errors. But if you see any, just be wary and and investigate further. Yeah. Agreed. And then once you've done that, what do you do next, Katie? Um, I would probably take it a step further. And I might run, um, it used to be called Apple Hardware Test on newer versions of newer Macs. It's now called Apple Diagnostics, which can also be run from the recovery partition. Yeah. Um, And if you have reason to suspect... Now, I have seen Apple Diagnostics give false negatives before, you know, i.e. It, it shows that everything is fine, but it's really not. I don't believe I've seen it give a false positive Yeah, in my and, experience. And, you know, this is like, just as an aside, when I get a computer, like a laptop, so I always buy the Apple Care for, I put an OmniFocus task in like two years and 10 months after I buy it to go bring it to the genius bar and have them run diagnostics on it before the Apple care expires. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you need to take your Mac to the genius bar, but uh, you know, you can run some of these diagnostics yourself. If you have any reason to believe that something is not quite right. um, One of the things that you can do is you can run those diagnostics in loop mode, which means it will run them over and over and over and over and over again. So if you run the diagnostics just once, it's kind of going to do a flat pass and it's, you know, what, you may or may not find something depending on what hits when it hits. If you run them in loop mode, you're kind of stress testing the machine. Yeah. And you're more likely to induce a failure if it was going to fail. Assuming everything checks out. Then the oh, next I have thing- one more. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed it. What's you that? Um, you also might want to run a third party utility like Drive Genius or uh, uh, what's the other one? Disk Warrior. Yeah. Di- Well, those are different, very different tools. They do. They do very. You're right. Drive Genius is probably the one that I would use then. Disk Disk Warriors is more when you find a problem. Yeah, Disk Warrior is what you use when, you know, things are really wrong. (laughs) But, uh, and we've talked, we did a whole show on on backup. I'm sorry, we did a whole show on utilities where we talked at Disk Warrior at length. But, yeah, okay. I, you know, I'll run a check before I do it, but I've just never had the experience of running into serious problems right before a backup. If I have a serious problem, it just occurs randomly. Well, but you, you, but these are you, good, good tips. You really don't want it to go bad right before an OS install. Yeah. You when, really don't want it to go bad. Yeah. When you're doing an OS install and your computer is basically taking all its bits and throwing them up in the air and they haven't landed back where they need to be. If something goes wrong, then, then you're going to learn all about how to rebuild a Mac from scratch. It's like a transporter malfunction. Yeah. And I mean like that in the Star Trek sense. Yeah, I, I knew exactly what you meant. Yeah. Those Katie, are never good. Katie, we all knew exactly. You all knew what, what I meant? Yeah. I mean, that's that's when you end up with like Evil Kirk or the dog that's got the unicorn thing sticking out of its head. Although I think the dog had that when it began. Or you end up with like Tuvok and Neelix merged together or some kind of like weird, you know, 
weird stuff happens with the transporter. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I remember on Next Generation, there was some guy that had some, it was kind of the loser guy on, on the crew. Barkley. Yeah, he had some kind of transporter issue, I remember. He had a transporter phobia. What was, what was Barkley's first name? I forget. Reginald. Oh um, my gosh, people, please help me here. And you remember that when there was that worm that came out of the transporter and like grabbed his arm? Yeah, no? I, re- I remember that. That was weird. <laughs> yeah. Katie, oh, and I, the I worst... don't remember that at all. <laughs> you don't remember that at all. The worst transporter accident was on Star Trek, the motion picture, when those people like got inverted and melted. Oh, that was really bad. You. Mm. So what you're saying is we got to make sure the hard drive's okay before we do the upgrade. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Otherwise, you might end up inside out and backwards. I I am so – I have mixed emotions about the fact that you knew Barkley's first name. <laughs> Reg! <laughs> Come on! Okay. Um, so I'd like to he talk about backup He had a cat named Neelix. Now. I'd like to talk about backup now. Can we, can Did we you move know on? that? Did you know the cat named Neelix? <sighs> no. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Let's talk about backup. All right. Katie, you're so happy. You're so pleased with yourself right now, aren't you? <laughs> I am. And you know what? There is like a whole slew of Mac Power users, listeners that are just so happy right now. Yeah. Reg. Okay. Um, so I'm using, I'm still using my old standard for backups uh, for just, you know, a drive uh, a clone, which is super duper. I mean, I, I I paid for that in like 2005 or something, and it still works. I still use the same license code every time I reinstall a Mac. You've moved on, though. Yep. I started using Carbon Copy Cloner because it has the ability to do verified backups, you know, bit by bit backups. Yeah. And I would probably do a verif- – I will do a verified backup right before my last backup before I install the new OS. And I've told this, you, this tip before, but you really you, want to make sure it's going to be right. Yeah. And I, I've used this tip before, but if you've got an extra hard drive around and you know, most people do anymore because they're so cheap, make a backup of your old operating system and just stick it in a drawer for like two or three months. It's okay. Just leave it there. Even if you never use it, uh, because if, if you find something doesn't work, like I had that happen with my Hazel rules when I did the upgrade to the Mavericks beta for somehow I managed to munch my Hazel rules. And there is a lot of love and attention in my Hazel rules. I mean, I, I don't even think it's really, I've spent as much time thinking about Hazel rules as you have thinking about Reg's cat. And <laughs> Yeah, you know, so when those got munched, I was really kind of concerned, but I had that back up in the drawer and I went and recovered them and everything is fine again. But so you will find little things and, and the scary part is you might not find them in the first week. So keep it for two or three months and by then you'll be fine. And then you can start backing up your Mavericks to that drive. Yeah. Um, it's also a good idea to go ahead and update your time machine backups, you know, just in case you, I, I, th- my notes here say perform backups. And then in parentheses, I say many perform many backups. Yeah. So um, update your time machine backups yeah. too. I don't know. And I don't know if you can speak to this or if it's under NDA in the past, there has been some issue with time machine backups from previous OSs. Now they will work to recover and restore data to a new OS, but I don't know that you necessarily get to keep that time machine history when you go to a new OS. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. But, you know, if you end up needing to recover data, you can recover it from a time machine backup. Yeah. 
Um, the other thing that I put in here is don't forget to test your backups. I, I actually have an OmniFocus rule now or uh, every three months to test my backups. And I've had a couple people ask me, how do you test your backups? And it really depends on the type of backup that you have. If you have a bootable backup, I think a good way to test your backup is to boot from the backup and make sure that your machine can boot from that and, you know, make sure that it's up and it's working and, and, you know, you, you see all of your data and it works. So that's kind of the best way, in my opinion, to test a bootable backup. I think the same kind of hardware diagnostics that we talked about running on your main disk, you want to run from time to time on your backup disks. I have found Time Machine has found errors on my Time Machine disk before that it has had to repair. Yeah. Uh, particularly when when um, backing up to a time capsule and it has to create that sparse bundle, it, it's known to get wonky from time to time. I think if you're it, testing a Time Machine disk is um, – is harder. I think you can just go, you know, try to try like to randomly check. Yeah. Yeah. Randomly, randomly restore files. I, you know, I have to say, I know time machine took a lot of grief justifiably when it first came out, it was, it was kind of difficult to get it work, but I am a big fan of time machine. Cause I just have so many non geek friends that now have backups because of time machine. And the idea of these incremental backups where I can go back and get prior versions of things like my hazel rules, uh, you know, I think Apple's really kind of pulled something off with this and people now just take it for granted. But yeah. I think now, it's so, a good thing. Supposedly, you can verify your time machine backup by holding down the option key when you open time machine in your menu bar and you'll see an option to verify the backup. I don't really know what that does, but I guess it can't hurt. I wonder. Yeah, there's a lot. Verify can mean a lot of things. Maybe let's, I'll take a look and see if there's any kind of uh, knowledge base on it. If so, I'll, I'll give it to JT. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think it can hurt. Yeah. It may just be like a checksum. I I don't, who knows? It might not be that big of a deal, but. But the option key does a lot, by the way, you hold down the option key in many apps like iPhone and iTunes and all that. Yeah. Does even more in Mavericks. Just saying. Cool. I'm teasing our next show for that. Well, it's not our next show. I think it's show after. All right. Depending on when it gets released. Do you have an OmniFocus like rule for how often to you know Reg needs to feed his cat? I t- I let Reg take care of feeding his own cat. All right. Yeah. Um. What about some of your other data? Anything you want to do like your iCloud data? Some of these other yes. devices? Yes, I do. Um. I make sure that my offsite backups are good and back it up. I use crash plans. Some people rotate hard drives. I just make sure that those are good and backed up. Um, I sync all of my iCloud related devices. So I make sure that my iCloud sync is working. Um, sometimes that gets wonky and ends up having to be reset. You just want to make sure that iCloud sync is working. You don't have anything that's pending. You know, contacts, calendars, all that stuff is synced, that your Dropbox is synced. If it can be synced, sync it. Sync your iPhones, sync your iPads, do backups of your iPhones and your iPads, sync your iPods if you have old iPads. Just sync everything. Okay. Sync it all. Yeah. Good idea. Good idea. And if you're into backing it up locally, that's not a bad time to do that either. Um, We're turning this into a backup show, though. And I want to talk about actually installing the software, which we at one hour haven't done yet. (laughs) So uh, We're getting ready. The name of the show is Getting Ready. All right. But I'm anxious. I want the shiny stuff. Um, Let's do our last sponsor and then we'll do that. Yeah. 
So our last sponsor for this episode is 1Password, and I think that is a very appropriate sponsor for this show because we all know that you can use 1Password, and the new version 4 is awesome, rated 5 mice by Macworld, by the way, um, to create unique, strong passwords for all of your various websites that you want to use, so there's just no excuse to be lazy about your password habits. But what other cool stuff 1Password does is it also stores all of that application information and serial numbers that is so important to have before you do a major upgrade. So if you don't have all of your apps downloaded from the Mac App Store, which most of you probably don't, you want to take this opportunity to make sure that you have all of your licensing information, a list of all of your apps, your usernames, your registration numbers, where you can re-download all those apps. And for me, I store all of that information in 1Password. I had it in a couple of different places for a while. I had a couple of different spreadsheets. Sometimes you have this stuff sitting in an email folder. But when it comes time, if you need to, because you either decided to do a clean install or because something went wrong, you want to have one place that you can go and say, okay, what are all my apps? What do I need to install? Where do I do it and how do I do that? And that can be done in 1Password. So grab all of that information, stick it in 1Password, know that it's there, know that you've got it, know that it works. You can even create a um, a special folder so you can have folders with like, these are my must-have apps, these are the things I must install. This is just kind of other software that I've, because we all have software that we've accumulated over the years that we don't really install. Yeah. So you can create special folders or playlists, or I guess they're not playlists, but they're like playlists, whatever you want to call them, you know, for that must have software, you can tag them or, or put little notes in there. I do that all the time. And I think that is a great use case for 1Password because it's available on the phone, it's available on the iPad, it's available on the Mac. So even if your Mac is still preoccupied, you can start grabbing your phone and getting all of this information ready to go. So check out the software and serial number storage feature in 1Password, one of the many, many things that 1Password does. Check out the brand new version 4, tons of new features, including iCloud Sync. So all of your data will just come back down. If you do a brand new clean install of the operating system, you can reload 1Password from the Mac App Store and boom, it will be all synced up with iCloud. And uh, I think that's what I'm going to do. We'll talk more about that later. But thanks to 1Password for their support of the show. You know, the 1Password 4 feature that I, I'm using all the time that never thought I would is this 1Password Mini, a little thing in your menu bar. Mini that, Yeah. 1Password yeah. Mini. It's great. No, it's called Mini Me. Is it really? There was a blog post about it. I missed that. Well, I like Mini Me. It is called 1Password password Mini. Okay, um, so we've done all the hard work, Katie. Let's install the new software. What, what are you going to do? I, I like to do an in-place you know, installation where I just install the update. I don't worry about going back to what we used to call nuke and pave, where you clean out the whole computer and start with a, com- a completely clean installation. In fact, you know, I used to do that all the time on PCs. You know, you just like wipe it down to ground zero and start over again. But I find in the more recent years, I've I've just not had a problem installing right over the top of the existing operating system. Um, I'm going to do that on two out of my three machines. One of my machines has been a little bit wonky and it hasn't had a clean install in a long time. Yeah, and that's, and, that's a good time to do it. And I'm going to do a clean install on that one machine. Yeah. But oh. but let's talk about the the default the the over the top in place install first. Yeah, it's, it's even more than default. It's it's the preference. It's 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 almost difficult to do the nuke and pave install. But um, the in place default uh, setup means you push a button and 
you go make tea and let your computer grind away for about 30 or 40 minutes and you come back and you've got a new operating system installed. After you've done everything we've talked about for the last hour, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It would take longer to listen to this podcast than it would do install Mavericks. That's probably true. How many listeners just turned us off like right at that moment? <laughs> Hang on. Got to go install Mavericks. Bye. <laughs> but yeah, it's... um. It's okay. It's okay to do that. If you're not having any problems with your computer, I think that's what you should do. Just push the button, take the red pill, and uh, and just be patient. And know that you've got a backup if it all goes horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah, and, and the nice thing is when you're done, your wallpaper's there, your apps are there, your settings are there. All the stuff that you need to get work done in your computer is still there. You don't have to go back and reinstall all that stuff. I There's not much more to say about it. You push the button. Yeah, really. You just download it. And if you took heed to what we said before, you move that installer off so you can you move it to a different place so that you can use it in the future. And you double click and you walk away and you let it do its thing. Yeah. And uh, in my experience with the betas, it's about 40 minutes. I think the first time I did it, the the updates are a little faster, obviously. But I think if you're going from scratch, it's not going to take that long. Yeah. And then I would say, regardless of what method you use, immediately after you install, you do want to check for software updates because there probably will be some. Yeah, absolutely. The Mac App Store will, you know, once you're on a new operating system, software that previously looked like it was up to date may need a new update. Uh, so you, you run that two or three times. Until it says no more. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes, like Katie, you've got a computer that's acting up on you. And it just needs a fresh start. And it happens, even to Max. So uh, what do you do to do that? It used to be really easy. You could pick, you know, I want to do a clean install or I want to install over the top. But with each iteration of the Mac operating system, Apple makes it more difficult to find the setting that allows you to erase your hard drive and reinstall a clean version of the operating system. And I, I, I'm guessing the reason is they probably had some really angry customers that accidentally did that in the past. Could you imagine having like all your data on your computer, not doing any backups and accidentally pushing the wrong button and just wiping it all out? That'd be bad. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But I also wonder if maybe they've made it too easy that some people who aren't Mac power users, listeners or friends of Mac power users, listeners just hit the button and don't have any backups. Yeah. Kind of like iOS updates now. Yeah. So with the clean install, there are really two options with this. And it's really kind of what you do after the clean install. So the definition of a clean install is you erase your hard drive and you install the new operating system on top of a clean hard drive. And then really what you do next, you can restore your data from one of your many, many backups that you have made just a few minutes prior. um, Or you can just restore only your documents and essential data and start everything else fresh. Regardless of which option you go with, I personally recommend that you install all of your applications from scratch because that can be where a lot of problems come from and, you know, just reinstall your data from the backup. But you can, you can recover almost as little or as much as you want from your backups. Now I would say, depending on how much of a fresh start you want is going to dictate which of these methods you choose because the migration assistant, which is going to be the tool that you use to restore your data, likely um, at the end of this process gives you some options for just restore my data, restore my data and my apps, restore my data, my apps and these other things. 
um, or really restore nothing and let you set up a new user account, let you manually drag your data over and, and go from there. Yeah. And I think generally, if you're going to go to the trouble to wipe out your hard drive, that must mean you're coming from some kind of problem. And I'm not sure I'm a big fan of using migration assistant to completely restore your system, because if you had a problem before, there's a pretty good chance that migration assistant's going to bring, or at least there is a chance that migration assistant's going to bring that problem right back onto your hard drive and you're going to be facing it again. I would say only say there's a chance because the whole process of rebuilding your operating system may have solved the problem you were having. Um, I can tell you from my nerd perspective, when I do a complete erase and reinstall of the operating system, very rarely do I ever go to migration assistant. Usually what I do is just literally rebuild the computer. And, you know, I think this is kind of a tired analogy, but each app has to earn its way back onto the hard drive and you just install the apps that you need. And uh, because I use and test so much software, that's kind of nice for me to kind of clear out the back the backlog of apps. I've got apps people have given me to beta test and things that I just don't want anymore and they just don't get reinstalled. Yeah. I mean, for me, I basically started my home folder. I restore my music folder, my photo folder, my documents folder. I restore my Dropbox and everything else is kind of, maybe it gets, and then, you know, I start going to the Mac app store and I start downloading applications and then I start going through one password and I start picking the applications that I need. I can tell you that, that that whole process is a lot easier now than it was even just a couple of years ago. It is, but I will tell you, and, and I think you've experienced this to some degree, because I remember for a couple of weeks you were telling me, oh, I'm rebuilding this iMac from scratch. I'm still missing blah, blah, blah. Yep. Um, starting totally from from scratch can be a pain. I mean, you are going to lose a lot of things that you didn't even think about. You're going to lose your mail rules. You're going to lose your Hazel rules. You're going to lose your Apple scripts. And unless you know exactly where those things are to restore them, you're going to have to rebuild them. And yeah. that's kind of why you need to have that hard drive that's sitting on the shelf, because it may take you two weeks to realize, oh, why are none of my Hazel rules firing? Or Probably longer. Take a lot, a lot less time than that, but you know. You know which one got me? I just had to rebuild the iMac because I had a problem with it. And the one that got me was a bunch of my OmniFocus Apple scripts. I, I had them on the local drive. I didn't think about it. And so now I have a Dropbox folder called scripts. And any script that's worthy of installation on any of my Macs gets copied to that folder. Yeah. I mean, when you start totally from scratch and start transferring over your data, you're probably talking, it It will take you a good couple of hours to get up and running. I mean, just up and running. And it will probably take you days, if not weeks, to get your system back the way you're accustomed to it. Yeah. And I don't say that necessarily to discourage you, because there's definitely a time and a place. I say that so that you're aware and have reasonable expectations. I'm such a nerd, Katie. Sometimes I, you know, I do this reinstall like the iMac. It was kind of fun for me. You know? It is. It's a great way to spend a weekend. Well, you know, if you're watching a movie or something, you just put it on the kitchen table and you go over occasionally and push a button or something and something happens. But it's kind of fun rebuilding it. But I think that's kind of a perverse pleasure. Yeah. Well, let's talk technically about how you do it, because now that we're in the Mac app store, it's really not easy to do a clean install. There, yeah. There's 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 not a button anymore. Yeah, they, they make it hard for you to get to get there. Um, so how do you do it? Um, so in the system, when you go to install, there's 
there's like a, a basic installer they put you into, which you have to get out to, but there's also a disk utility in the installer. And from disk utility, you can erase your drive. Yeah. Now you're going to have to do that from not the boot volume. You're going to have to boot from another volume, go into disk utility and erase your Mac and then run the installer. And I, I don't know this for sure, David, and correct me if you know, but when you're running the installer, are you running it off the recovery partition? I so believe, you are in a you know position. What? I'm not going to say, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. Not okay. Sure. Because what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to boot your Mac from another volume, erase your Mac, and then run the installer. I, I think it's part of the installer. I think you just have to get yeah. out to the disk utility and it runs the installer from a separate partition, at least on an existing Mac. If it was a brand new Mac, I'm not sure how you would do it. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that you could do is if you created one of those bootable images that we talked about with Lion Disk Maker, which will hopefully be renamed soon to Mavericks Disk Maker, um, you could do it that way. You could boot from that and do it. Um, the other thing you could do, which kind of might seem th – there are two other things that I can think of that you could do. Um, one is you could use Internet Recovery to load Mavericks, but you must have previously purchased Mavericks because, remember, you can't download yeah. it unless you've actually – you know, got the clear to install it. Um, or you could just go ahead and install Mavericks on top of your existing operating system. See if that fixes your particular issue. And if it doesn't, then that will create, that will update your recovery disks for Mavericks. And then you can go ahead and do the erase. Yeah, you know, that's a good point, Katie. If you're having trouble with a Mac, why not just install the upgrade version of Mavericks and see if Apple hasn't fixed your particular problem for you anyway. And if worse comes to worse and in a month you're still having the problem, you could always do the, the nuke and pave at that point. You could, I, you know, I just kind of find it hard to make the case for doing the nuke and pave when you install the upgrade. I mean, it used to make sense. You'd say, well, you know, every year I need to redo it anyway. So when we get a new operating system, I'll just start clean again. And in a lot of ways, I think you're just buying problems. There are some additional steps that if you know you're going to do a new can pave, which I still know that I'm going to do with this one machine. Yeah. Um, that you need to take. And the first thing I'll say is check your backups yet again. As many times as you've checked them, check them one more time because now it's no longer your backup. It's now your primary drive. Um, wow. We said backup a lot of times on this show. We did. We did. Um, but if you know that you're going to erase your drive and, and reinstall, I would suggest that you go ahead and also do stuff like deauthorize your iTunes account. Or if you have any other software that has a limited number of activations that you can deauthorize. Like anything Adobe? Yeah, anything Adobe. Um, go ahead and deauthorize those so that you can reauthorize them on your new machine. And um, then again, I would just make sure, make doubly sure that you have all of your applications, all of your installers, and all of your serial numbers. Yeah. And one password. Then you can just access them on your iPad. There you go. Yeah. I love that feature. I've got every registration code of any app in there, and sometimes two or three of them. <laughs> I mean, I've yeah. got Aperture 1, 2, and 3 in there. I just noticed the other day I was upgrading my Aperture. All right. That's all I have for getting ready for Mavericks. Yeah. It's going to be a really nice upgrade. I There's some new features in here that are very useful for Mac Power users. So we'll be talking about that in a couple weeks. Yeah. So... 
All right. Well, I guess uh, if you've got specific questions, we'll be talking about Mavericks in a couple of weeks. So you can ask us those questions um, by sending us feedback to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. And that email will go both to David and I, and we can make a note of your questions and try to cover them in our Mavericks show, which will probably be about two weeks from now, depending on when the OS actually releases. Also, if you have a question about whether Reg had a dog or a hamster. Did not have a dog. You can send that to Katie at MacPowerUsers.com. He had a cat named Neelix. <laughs> if you want to tweet David and tell him how little he knows about things that are important, you can tweet him at Max Sparky. If you want to tweet me and tell me how cool I am for knowing about Reg and the transporter, you can find me at Katie Floyd or the show is at MacPowerUsers. Did I ever tell you about the time um, when Star Wars, you know, when the Abomination prequels came out, uh, I was at the theater. I wasn't actually in line. I was there for a dinner and the guy was waiting in line and he was all decked out in Darth Maul. And I started like uh, quoting Mr. Spock to him and I was making him really angry. Yeah. I mean, there have been some not great Star Trek movies, but we've never had those I love the way it's we now you've you you're really fully invested. We the Star Trek community as a yeah. whole have never had a Jar Jar. Yeah. Well, you know what? You got me there, Katie Floyd. You got me. <laughs> you cut um, me deep. <laughs> you can find links to everything we talked about, including when Wiley O Coyote caught the Roadrunner at five by five TV slash MPU slash one six zero for the show or at MacPowerUsers.com. And, and a little tidbit is that if you go to MacPowerUsers.com, our site, you can actually see archives. If you, I think it's MacPowerUsers.com slash shows. You can see all the shows that we've done, and there's a search feature so that if you say, hey, have you guys ever done a show on dictation? Why, yes, we have. You can either find it in the archives, or you can search on our website for dictation and find a show. 160 shows. 160 shows. That's a lot of hours. It is. And we will be back with show 161 next week with Ben Carter. So we'll be talking about using Macs and small businesses, and we'll talk to you all then. 